0: Thank you for listening to the Park Church podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, we gather this morning not just on the Sunday um, of for Epiphany, but also on the first Sunday of the year of a new year, and not just a new year, but a new decade. And that particularly, I think, brings with it its own thought and its own challenge. Who will be sitting here the first Sunday of January, if we're all still here, in terms of the Lord hasn't returned. Who will be sitting here the first Sunday of January, 2030? Well, I have to tell you, I won't because I'll have retired. <laughs> At least that's my plan. <laughs> that's my plan. Um, and you'll be, you'll, be, you'll be trusting that you'll have a new pastor and teacher long before then to lead you and guide you. But particularly as we think of a decade, it is a challenge, just that 10 years is a long time. And with due respect and with deep love and, and also a real sense of my own heart, a number of us won't be here. Don't know who you are, don't worry, the Lord hasn't given me a list, but a number of us won't be here as well on the first January, the first Sunday in January, in We surely need to be like the psalmist who said our times are in God's hands, and we entrust them we leave them there. None of us, of course, know what tomorrow will bring, let alone next year, or this coming decade. It certainly has started, perhaps not very positively. Uh, We just think we've got an election passed, and everything's settled, and then the Americans go and blow up some Iranian guy, and the whole world is thrown into more confusion and turmoil. Uh, And even with our own lives, Perhaps we gather this morning. I'm certainly aware, pastorally, that there are some who are gathering, if not here in person, certainly where they are this morning, with very real challenges and very real thoughts and very real concerns for their family and for friends and for their working life and what's happening. And there are others of us gather here this morning and we're looking forward to this coming year and decade. We've just got engaged. And, or we just have a you family, or addition to our family, and, and, and all that opens up, and there's bright prospects, and there's things to be stirred and encouraged by. The, the myriad of emotions, even amongst this small gathering here, the myriad of emotions that stir within the heart when the bell chimes, and the first of January appears, and the you beginnings lie before us. They're vast, from the heights to the depths, from rejoicing and celebrating to sitting quietly with our tears. All of that is encompassed amongst us as we gather this Sunday morning and as God's people gather up and down our land and throughout our world on this first Sunday of the year. And none of us knows church life, well, as I say, apart from the fact that over this next 10 years, um, perhaps your minister or probably your minister will be retiring. But apart from that, none of us are sure. Can I just share with you this morning just something which is very, I think, quite positive. Um, some of you will know of Colin Brown, or some of you actually know Andrew Brown, and Helen Louise, who never used to worship here for a few years while she stayed across the road. And through the fellowship group that Martin and Jennifer started, the 18 to 25, although eventually it became 18 to you kind of, you know, a wee bit higher than that. Um, but through that fellowship, with Andrew Brown, who's the son of Colin Brown, one of the principal clerks of our denomination from Downley United Free Church, um, he met Helen Louise at that gathering. And through that, they fell in love and got engaged and got married. They now have a wee one, and they live over in Newton Farm. Indeed, we have a lot of connections with Danley United Free Church, um, because another certain young man over there, another Patterson, is going out with um, a, a girl of a leading family from Danley United Free Church, Rachel. And so, we've got a lot of connections with other fellowships, how love and lives bring people together, and we rejoice in that. That's positive things. And he lives over, Andrew and Helen Louise live over in Uton Farm, the, the area of housing built just on the other side of the Clyde, over um, in Cambuslang Lang Direction, and has for some time had a stirring within his heart about, about that area, along with other people, along with other people, both people who live within that area, people who are members of Flemington Hall Side Church, Karen and Graham have good friends, Ross and his wife and family, who are involved with the Reach Out Trust there and have a concern for that area. 2,200 new houses being built, an area where you yourself lived at one time, an area which one day would have been um, a parish in its own right. Indeed, there was a little gathering, which I'll explain just in a minute or two. I was at in, in the beginning of December and even the parish minister, who I, I kind of know not very well, but I know was quite taken back. I'm the, I am the—I was the only one present who actually stood as a wee boy in Newton Church. Newton Church is still there. You see it from the railway line. Um, it actually is a sandstone church, which has been for the last 50 odd years a joinery business. But through my parents' connection, as a wee boy, I remember standing inside Newton Church when it was closed to be back in the 1960s. That time it was a pretty devastated, bleak part of that area. A whole new opportunity For there and so we gathered for prayer in december and i just have to tell you 150 people gathered for a carol service in the community center just before christmas and we're going to be gathering a group of us gathering for prayer once again in january who knows what opportunities will develop and open up in this coming year as we meet with other believers both folks from the parish church both from, folks from a vineyard fellowship in Glasgow and from another church in Glasgow but who now live within that area who knows what doors of opportunity god will open up for us do pray for that as we venture into 2020 but any anyway, moving on is always a bit of a exercise of faith it certainly was for these wise men. There weren't three of them, and perhaps they weren't all men. Um, but there was a, a woman present, certainly culturally. It wouldn't have been very common for that to be the case, but who knows? Three wise men, or three, or this group of people, not just three, but this group of wise, learned people, magi from the east, were told, who had come to Jerusalem. That was our journey. A journey that would have been very risky and challenging in its opportunities to go from probably the area of the the bottom area of the Euphrates, the area between Iran and Iraq. I mean just as you mentioned these countries nowadays, then then they, they, they bring up pictures of challenge from ancient Persia. They were wise men because they would have been learned people. When I say that they looked at the stars, I wouldn't want you to get the impression they were kind of like the astrologers of today, but there would be people who were scientifically aware, who were seeking and searching, people who would have gone to universities and colleges if they had existed in the way they do within our own society now, people who were seeking out and believed that in creation, in nature... Um, there were things to learn, not just about creation and nature and themselves, but things to learn about the divine power that existed beyond and behind all of that. And in that seeking and searching, in that looking and learning, in that openness and in that journeying and exploring of knowledge, so they actually would have found an ally in the apostle Paul when he wrote in verses we looked upon briefly, relatively speaking, just before Christmas, when Paul writes at the very beginning of Romans 1 and verse 18, he says, for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what we've been known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people, are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, birds and animals and reptiles. And he goes on to say, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. And Paul's indictment of humanity and their failure to see beyond creation the Creator, these wise men would have said a hearty amen to that. They journeyed from a land where there were plenty of symbols of created things being worshipped and adored, whether that was human beings The rulers of the past, or so-called wise men of the past, are images of reptiles and animals, as Paul says. They left all that behind. They were wise because they saw that these things were not to be the focus of worship. Indeed, the story tells us very clearly in Matthew that they knew that there was one one being greater than that to be worshipped. They said to the folks when they arrived at Jerusalem, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And the star, what's commonly known as the Christmas star, which again, um, scientists would have told us probably were particularly bright at that time. Um, It was a supernova, a super sun that exploded. And just at the right time, and God's created order, just at the right time, the brilliance of that explosion which we still see the remnant of today, the brilliance of that explosion would have been in the night star. And these wise men believed and saw that this spoke of something greater than the material, the passing, the temporal, and they went on a journey. Geographically, a very challenging journey, but also spiritually and philosophically a very challenging journey. And it might be tempting for us to say, well, that's all very well for the wise men. But that doesn't really happen today. And yet we've heard this morning, we hadn't already. I I didn't check the script with Robert before he shared with us. But as he shared with us this morning, two young people who are going to be professing their faith in a few weeks time in February. Who came to university, not believers. Perhaps with some religious background, I, I don't know. But certainly not personal believers. And yet God has taken them on a journey. Two young people who, if they got into Oriel College, have to be reasonably bright, and able, we presume, and and able to engage with the the, all that the science and the arts provide, and they came, and they've been seeking, and they've been searching, and they've gone on a journey, a journey which which many of their friends and colleagues will not have joined them with, and may well have cast aspersions about, and thought, why are you getting into that, why do you believe in this, and why are you not doing that, and yet God has led these two young people on a journey. And there are folk amongst us this morning who likewise can look back over the last year or two and know that God has led them on a journey. Maybe been a journey that began with falling in love or being attracted to somebody. It may be a journey that began through a great time of loss and trial and tribulation. In one sense, that's not the point. God, by His Spirit, has started you on a journey. Out of your comfort zone, out of what your peers and those round about you might think is acceptable out of the things that other people basically worship, they give their lives over to and honor above everything else. But God, by his Spirit, has started you on a journey, maybe not geographically very far, but certainly spiritually and philosophically far. And interesting what Robert said about how 20 years ago people would have said they were atheists, perhaps more. Now they were saying they're agnostic. I was certainly stirred by the fact that such a large number of people turned up for a carol service. Families and others, they're certainly not all believers, over in Newton Farm. And what I hear and what I read and what Robert has already shared with us this morning, as I said, that wasn't prepared or planned we must resist the temptation to think, well, it's all just down here, downhill. And that the Lord doesn't return in ten years' time, well, most of us will, will be here because we'll pass on to higher things. And there'll be nobody left. It was Jesus who said he would build his church. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that stirs in our hearts and takes from Jesus and make him, makes him known to us, who leads us into all the truth, who convicts and convinces and converts. And God is still adding to that number those who are being saved. A new year doesn't catch God out. Whatever goes on in the world, whatever goes on within our lives, whatever goes on within the story of the church, in one sense, doesn't prevent from God's purposes being worked out. And here, in the story of the wise men, the magi from the East, and in the story, the countless stories in our world, but also within our own society today, God is still drawing men and women on that journey to Jesus. And we need to discern that where God is at work as a fellowship, as individuals, not casting our perils before swine in the sense of chasing after folk who show the slight, don't show the slightest bit of interest, but allowing by the Spirit of God that we're sensitive to discern those who are seeking, those who are searching, those who, like the wise men, saw beyond the material things that people worship and are asking and looking for that which is greater. might do that in all sorts of different ways, Perhaps we need to be more equipped to know what those different ways are that show that people are searching and seeking. But God, by His Spirit, is still at work this year of the Lord, 2020. And we need to journey with those who are on that journey of discovery. The wise men came and they went to Jerusalem because they thought that's where the king was. And we we know the story well in the traditional interpretation of the story, a right interpretation of the story. They come to Jerusalem and they go and seek out the people they think should know, the people's chief priests and teachers of the law and to the king, or to the ruler, the Herod, the puppet king, under the rule of the Romans, and they ask, and interesting enough, whatever the motives, and we know the motives weren't good, of either Herod, or indeed of the religious leaders, nonetheless, look at what happens when they ask the question, where the Messiah was to be born, What do they get? What is the response? In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod called the magi sickly, found out from the exact time the star had appeared, and they sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Well, that was a lot of nonsense, of course, but interesting. What did he do? He sends them to Bethlehem. He actually, unwittingly, Despite his evil intent and his corrupt mind, the sovereign God uses this man and those who he's gathered round about him to actually journey and show the wise men where they should go. They needed advice. They needed direction. They needed clarity to their journey so they weren't just wandering round the land, and they were given it very simply. That's the job of Christians and the church. That's the job of you and me. Some of us in a more public way, Robert has already mentioned that, through his preaching and the con- conduct of the services, or through personal conversation. For many of us, it was through personal conversation. But thank the Lord, you're not headed, nor these religious che- leaders and teachers. The Spirit of God does dwell upon you, and He will give you the words to say, to point people. And to point people to what? Well, yes, you can share people your own story. You can share people your own experience. All of that is important. But you also, far more significantly, can share within the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the truth that comes and brings the light of the glory of God, Jesus Christ, and reveals it as a sword, as a scalpel, into the human heart and mind. That's what the wise men, the Magi, were given. And we need to pray that as a fellowship over this coming year, and whatever way God calls us, whether here or with the work with the young people in the schools or wherever, and in however way, we will be channels of God's Word to enable those who are seeking and searching to know why they're seeking and searching and to know where their journey will end. Not in Bethlehem, but meeting with the Lord of glory. And lastly, as they journeyed on, look what happens. They go ahead and the star leads them again, reminding us powerfully of the work of the Holy Spirit who guides and who leads and who draws us to the Lord. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, and then were told they opened their treasures and presented with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And again, very helpfully, Carl's reminded us already of the significance of what they were giving. They probably didn't fully realize that themselves. Let's be honest. They probably didn't realize fully what was happening there. They were just beginning a journey which were told meant that they returned to their own land, but by another root. Geographically, they were going to go home a different way. They were, they, were, they were leaving Bethlehem and going in a different road, but symbolically, they were also going in a different road. They bow down and worship. Now, that's so vital. That's the key to somebody actually showing that they've come to faith. Rightly today in the church, and I'm not criticizing at all in in, in its essence, rightly, we seek to minister. You know, Jesus is the great healer. Jesus is wisdom incarnate. Jesus is the one who draws alongside to comfort the soul. Jesus is the one who can deal with the guilt and with the the sinful mess that we make of our lives and in our relationships. And all of these things are completely true, but ultimately, ultimately, the point of the gospel is to bring us to a point where we bow down and worship God. Remember the lepers, the ten lepers that were healed by Jesus? But only one returned and bowed down and worshipped God. And that is the Testimony me to a life genuinely changed by the grace of God. Yes, The forgiveness of our sins is fundamental to that. Yes, knowing God's mercy and grace coming into our lives, being that peace that breaks down the walls of hostility, perhaps practically in human relationships and everything else. Yes, giving us new wisdom and clarity so we return. We journey in a different road, not the road we've been on before, but a different road with different values and different understanding. All of that is completely true, but it begins and ends with us worshiping God. And so, to see someone who wouldn't have known a Christian hymn from a song in the pub of the 17th or 18th century, the difference. Alien culture in many ways, as alien it was to the wise men coming from the East, and yet to find within their hearts The desire to sing the songs of Zion, even if you have your tone deaf or whatever else, that stirring within the heart to worship God as creator and to acknowledge him as Lord of our life, that is the sign, the saving sign of a soul that has found, or rather been found, by God. And over the years, people pass through this church as they pass through any church. And like the lepers, they receive a blessing in this way or that way. But then they journey on, not to another church, but just journey on. Well, so be it. But for these wise men, their journey was radically different. We're actually not told anything more about what happens to these men. Matthew, writing the gospel, wants to emphasize that Jesus is the Messiah, the King of the Jews, the fulfillment of all the promises given to Israel. Jesus is the one who is that answer to Israel's longing, Israel's consolation, which also means that other people, other nations will be blessed. And this is the start of that story, not just for Israel, but for the wider world. Church tradition tells us, church story tells us, that when the apostle journeyed to Persia, And to that part of the world that were sent out by Jesus, they found people waiting. The same people that had found the remnants of God's word left in Babylon by the Jewish people when they were in exile. And had read the prophecies of Isaiah and of how the star of righteousness would arise and had gone on that journey to discover what that meant, so their spiritual descendants were there to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached and proclaimed. The ancient churches of Iraq and of Iran today and how we need to pray for them, persecuted and bleeding and broken. And the Magi were the missionaries, of that gospel, to their people. Life's transformed. Journey's destination discovered. A new song and a new mission in their heart. As we go into the 2020s, that's still the same calling of the church, to be the place where people meet with Jesus to be those who guide and lead, who listen and help others on their spiritual journey and a place where in our values, in our life together, in our understanding of who we are, in our understanding of the world, we're radically different from the Herods and the religious leaders of the age both now and of the lives that are discipled by Jesus who calls us to go on another route, not the broad road of popular acclaim that leads to destruction, but the narrow road of being faithful to Jesus that leads to life eternal. Whatever else is the case, if we are spared a decade, that calling, that kingdom work, Gospel will still be proclaimed in the first Sunday of January 2030. As with gladness, men of old did the guiding star behold. Let's stand and sing this as our offerings. Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon.